For the past several weeks, I haven't been able to get one simple, basic thought out of my head. It's become the ever-present background noise of my life. Driving? Yep. Showering? Yep. Eating? Yep. Trying to sleep? Yep. Procrastinating on making this very article, but because there's no deadline, simply making no progress, yet being sad that it's not being made? You bet. And that thought is this simple idea. What could the net income of the top 15 public companies afford accounting for tax, dividends, and loan payments? Okay, I will admit, it's not a very simple idea, especially not as simple as I set it out to be. But it is a good question, no? I mean, we're working with astronomical numbers here, and it's all liquid revenue that can be used, essentially, however the board of directors choose. Here's some perspective. At the end of 2019, Amazon.com reported an annual net income of $11.5 billion. Let's do some math and put that into perspective. Let's say you work a job that pays $100 an hour, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. That comes to a total before expenses of $208,000 a year. It would take you, assuming zero expenses and no hours unpaid, 55,000 years to make the same as Amazon did in one. And mind you, Amazon's 11 billion annual income isn't within the top 15 companies I'll be covering today. Those are the kinds of numbers we'll be dealing with. Now, if you go onto my website and see the actual article, there's a table here talking about the top 15 companies, their net income in 2019, and the years of work it would take you to achieve their revenue. Now, because I'm not going to list all that out, because it's going to be boring, I am instead going to list a couple of the more notable ones. For example, at the top of the list is Berkshire Hathaway, who made $81.4 billion in 2019. That would take you 290,714 years of work to equal. Next up is Apple, at $55 billion and 265,384,000 years of work. Both of those are pretty much as long as the entire human race has existed. Now... The usual top of the Fortune 500 list, Walmart, is indeed on this list. They're third to last. They are at $14 billion, and it would only take you 71,000 years to equal their revenue. Quick side note, if you've been watching the YouTube video, it has been on screen this entire time. But if you're listening in the car on Spotify, it'll be in my about page. I have website links. Either one of them can lead you to the article that has the table on it. So now that we've got our 15 numbers, we're going to total all the numbers, figure out what we need to take from the total, and finally list just a few of the things we could afford and how many times we could afford them. Alright, so first off, the grand total net income of the top 15 global companies. This comes out to a whopping $411.6 billion. That, by the way, would take you nearly 700,000 years to equal. Alright, now with our $400 billion secured, it's time to figure out where all of it's ought to go and how much we'll have left once it's been spent. So, net income is mostly used in four ways, only three of which we'll consider today. They are the following. Paying off debt. Most companies take out loans in order to not put the full cost of a project up at the beginning, so I'll say we're putting about 10% uh, of our income towards that. Reinvestment into the company. This essentially just accounts for any part of the net income used for just about exactly what it sounds like. 
This could be things like stock buybacks, renovating and building locations, that sort of thing. I'll say this would take about 17% of our profits here. Paying off dividends, which is just giving money to your shareholders for being shareholders. This is a bit tricky since some companies, Amazon for example, don't pay dividends at all. So with some of these companies potentially simply not paying any dividends, I think it's safe to say that only about 7% of our total will be put here. That brings the total percentage of our profits being used by default to about 34%, and I'm going to round that down to 33%, so that's a clean one-third of our profits. So, 411.6 billion minus one-third is a mere 275.8 billion. To be fair, we have taken out a whole 135 billion dollars from the equation, which is not exactly a small amount, but it is much less impressive looking than the original $411 billion. And now finally, into the meat of the subject. What I was actually trying to get at here. The biggest things we could buy with that money. The biggest single expense. You could have probably bought out any of the Fortune 500 companies, with only the top 11 most valuable being outside of your reach, and that's because two of them are worth over one trillion dollars. The most pricey of these companies that you could buy would be Bank of America at 266 billion dollars net worth. Should have said market cap. So the next thing I've thought of was airports, right? Think about how big they are, how much land they must take up. You know, that's gotta be expensive and boy was i not prepared for how incredibly cost effective airports proved to be to put more things into perspective because that's what this video is really about uh the most expensive airport project in the world is the da Sing international airport in beijing which only cost 63 billion dollars to build now I know how big of a number that may look like, but we could buy four of those and still have money left over. Now, $63 billion isn't entirely accurate as the airport itself only costs $17 billion, with the other $46.2 billion coming in related projects around the airport, whatever those are defined to be. If we use the more accurate $17 billion figure, we can now buy the thing 16 times over. And now that we are only considering the airport, Da Sing doesn't even make the number one spot anymore. Now we have to look at the Kansai International Airport in Osaka. That project cost $20 billion, with future expansions being planned that will make that cost go up. And considering that that airport is its own island, it's quite impressive that we have enough money to buy it 14 times over. We could build 14 of them and still have a little bit of money left over. And looking further, the price only dropped. Hong Kong International is the same price and Dubai's International Airport is only $8 billion. So we could buy Dubai's International Airport 23 times over. Next up I considered, if airports weren't all they claimed to be in cost, then what about the standard water port? <laughs> After all, they have to account for water, which I can barely keep in the sink when I'm washing my hands. Now, for reasons that will soon become apparent, no one has actually been able to collect a list of the most expensive seaports in the world. 
So instead, I thought to go by cargo volume. After all, the more cargo a port serves, the more expensive it must have been to build, right? Going by that metric, the largest of these is the port of Shanghai. Now, finding the cost for building this was a bit tricky to say the least. It appears as if the port of Shanghai isn't actually referring to a single port facility. Rather, it appears to refer to the general area around the mouth of the Yangtze River. Because of the seemingly vague nature of what's considered the port of Shanghai, I will instead be using the cost of its largest seaport, the Yangshan port. The cost for constructing that port totaled a mere $11 billion. We could build 25 of the things and still have a few million dollars left over. Next up, I tried the port of Singapore. Maybe that would have a concrete cost and definition. I got a half of what I wanted. It does appear as if the port of Singapore does refer to a single harbor. However, due to the long and complex history of it, finding the exact cost would be difficult. Rather, I chose to skip it and see what else I could find. Port of Tianjin? No data. Port of Guangzhou? No data. Port of Rotterdam? Almost less than nothing. The problem with most of the world's biggest seaports seems to be they're less single projects that are built once and then expanded upon, but rather a site that has history so long and potentially fiscally undocumented that finding what it would cost to replicate them is nearly impossible. So next, I had to consider a project that had a single core cost, one that wasn't built on by hundreds of years of expansion and development, one that would be large enough to potentially make our balance here flinch. One that was well documented. One that I like to call the United States Interstate Freeway System. While it is true that the freeway system has seen many expansions and upgrades over time, with the adjustment of intersections, the adding of new freeways and arterial routes, the core cost of the project is still concrete. So what exactly are we looking at? Well, you need not be disappointed like with the disappointing harbors, for we have a concrete dollar amount to look at. $129 billion. And we could do it twice. Granted, this was a somewhat incomplete figure that was measured in 1991. However, I think it gets the point across. We can buy the interstate highway system two times over. But we have yet to reach our peak. For you see, we've sent a bunch of expensive research equipment via other expensive equipment into space and made people live there. I am talking, of course, about the International Space Station. The ISS, as of right now, has had an accumulated cost of $150 billion, a cost which we, for now, cannot afford to do more than once. If we tried to do it twice, we'd have to take out a $24 billion loan. We've finally been defeated. 